Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. My guest today is a man who's played football at the highest level for almost two decades, earning 81 caps for England, winning the Premier League six times, winning so many trophies and individual awards and being inducted into the English Football Hall of Fame as well. He is a passionate man and has spoken up many times about the racism that still prevails in society and in his sport. He is not scared to use his voice to force change. In the space of two years, He lost his wife, Rebecca, in 2015, and then his mum, Janice, in 2017 from cancer. Rio Ferdinand was left re-evaluating his life and his career and how he was going to bring up three young children on his own. It was a tough journey, but he eventually found love again with his wife, Kate, and now their new baby, Cree, who was born at the end of 2020. Rio was someone I really wanted to talk to because he's faced huge midlife challenges and changes and because I first met him as a teenager, which makes both of us feel a little bit old. This episode is brought to you by our super friends at Solgar, who've been producing gold standard vitamins and minerals for over 70 years. They have over 300 products in the range, created using their science-backed formulas, which means there is something for everyone, and that includes you. Rio Ferdinand, lovely to see you. How are you? How are you doing? Good. I'm good, thanks you. Good, yeah. I'm loving the wall behind you. There's a fantastic picture of your incredibly sculpted torso there. Um, <laughs> just, it's our office. We're just paying homage to each other. We need somewhere we can have a little shrine to each yeah. other. So this is our little our office cubbed away in the corner. Yeah. Good. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to I'm not pretending to to our listeners that this is the, kind of the main hall in your house where you have a big naked picture of yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This is very much away from from everything. Yeah. Don't worry. And do you know what else I've spied behind your right shoulder? Is that a BAFTA? Yeah, it is actually. I didn't actually mean to put that there so it's in shot actually but it's actually a good thing it looks actually quite good it actually looks yeah, it's a good talking point yeah, it's it? a good talking point and i didn't even know you had a bafta i'm sorry so tell me what you got your oh, bafta for i got it for um the documentary that we filmed on bbc one on uh, being mum and yes, dad yes i saw that so you got a bafta um, for that that's incredible yeah yeah so it was uh, yeah it was incredible it was um i didn't do it for any reason like that really i've done it for obviously for something for my kids to one day look at and to help other people who had maybe been through or coming into the situation that I found myself in. And it just kind of snowballed and then all of a sudden it had such a good effect and a massive impact that it was recognised and we were, we were awarded a, a BAFTA. So yeah, it was um, definitely worthwhile on, on many different levels. It was a beautiful documentary. And for anybody who didn't see it, it, it charted your journey as a family with Kate and your children after their mum and your wife, Rebecca, had died and coming together as this new family. And how, and you managed to, include the children without actually exposing their you know kind of their faces and and keeping retaining their privacy which was very clever the way that it was filmed and and Mm. done um and a sense of the kids journey as well um and this is where I kind of find you you know in your early 40s having gone through all of that already um Mm. a life experience that some people Mm. never ever go through and certainly as a young man I, I imagine you you did not foresee what was coming down the track for you 
No, I mean, it's, it's the, the BAFTA was for the first one when it, the immediate effect of that losing the, the, uh, your wife and your baby's um, mum. The second one was with when, when I met Kate and in that process of integrating someone new into the family. And that one was so powerful in, in that it's, um, it, like you say, you don't expect in your late 30s to be losing the mother of your children and then so quickly your mum. Uh, who then become that bedrock mm. for the children in such quick succession. And then it's just, I've never let any cameras behind closed doors in my house or anything or close to me ever in my life. As, as great as probably people, some people probably won't believe you because they know so much about you because of football, etc. But I've always been very, very mindful of my children's privacy and my family's privacy. But I just felt this, this was something that would really have a massive impact, not only on my, my own family, but also loads of different families around the world. So... To, to come into that and to have that type of situation arise, it's, it's, um, it can do crazy things to you. And I think in the documentary, we explore so many different emotions. And as a man, having the ability to kind of look back into yourself inwards and allow yourself to be vulnerable, to be emotional, um, not happy and not easy at times, but finding ways to deal with that. And I think that's such an important... And it's even more relevant right now as well given the situation we're all in with covid is that the mental health is such a huge issue that something was never ever spoke about it mm. was a taboo word before wasn't mm. it that no one spoke if you mentioned mental health you meant to go to a, a madhouse really mm. whereas it's now it's very much part of society and people are trying to work out ways in which people can be best helped mm. and best practice to help so that was very um cathartic for me because it was so helpful in understanding myself in these situations because I didn't understand how I was meant to act, how I was meant to deal with things, how to deal with three kids when they lost their mum and then their nan. Like how do you do, deal with all that? So it was really like a you burying your soul a little bit, but it was for the for the right reasons. Yeah, it was it was very powerful. I'm sure will continue to resonate with people and and maybe was also a really important step for you on your journey to where I find you now as a new father again. And yeah. um your baby Cree is how old? He's five weeks old today, actually. Oh. So um, he's uh, he's growing massive. He's eating like a toddler, <laughs> and he's pooing like pooing like an adult. So he's um, he's brilliant at the minute. But uh, no, it's 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 great. All you, all um, we're searching for is just a bit of routine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like obviously, you get bags under your eyes. You know what it's like. These kids, man, they come out of nowhere and just absolutely ruin every bit of structure you had in your life so and I know Kate no, Kate is a very much an organized woman and she likes structure so that must be for her and that must have really rocked her kind of world a bit because she's managed to get all that structure with the three older kids mm. and now yeah she like, like you say she's she, everything about what she was doing with the, with the children when she came in was about recreating that structure that they'd already had and being a part of that and she lives and dies by making sure that things are really mapped out and when that doesn't happen for her, she sometimes can like be a little bit all over the place. A bit wobbly. And, like, can throw her, yeah. So this has been a definite shock in that sense of the word. Mm. But she's she's really adaptable. She adapts to things very quickly. Yeah, well, that's so what it is. I think when you have your first children, and you, you see it's, been, it's a while since you had your first baby, so you've probably forgotten, mm. in a way, the kind of, you know, how the chaos... Do you know what? We were talking about this, Gabby, the other day, right? When that, it's like probably your husband's the same, yeah? He was a sportsman. When your children were, were, were born, he was still yeah, a professional, yeah. right? We think as dads that we're doing a great job and we're there and we're really, <laughs> really like, we're there in time, live all the time. But we, we're not. We're just like, we're, we're dipping in and out because we're traveling so much. I was probably never there 75% of the time. Mm. 
I was on the road traveling around Europe, mm. playing games. When I was there, was I really there mentally? Mm. No. Well, you had an excuse to opt out, didn't you, as well? You'd say, well, yeah. I've got a game. And, and, you, and, and we use that excuse massively. We've got to go to a game when we'll probably go an hour early. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just mad stuff like that, And if you're being honest. Yeah. But, so this is like, I'm almost doing this for the first time properly. So it's, it's really nice in that sense. Has it made you kind of think back to those early days with the other three now and, and realise actually that, you know, you kind of, you, you perhaps weren't as immersed as you thought you were? Yeah, it's made me really, and, and especially compounded with lockdown. So mm. there is no way out. There's, and it, for everybody, like for, for, for Kate and for mm. myself, there's no way out of this. So you've got to deal with every situation. You can't just go, I'm going to go, for a, going to go out for a little while, go and meet a couple of mates and just take my head away from it. There's none of that no. going on. So it is like, um, it does remind me of a lot of things that when I had the three before, but it's very, very yeah. different. And how are they? How are the older three with their new baby brother? Oh, they're loving it. They love it. Especially Tia. She's just like, she wants to be like everything and all to this baby. So do you need any help? you need this? Are you all right? How are you doing? Like, Mother Teresa. So it's good. beautiful. It's lovely. And I'm sure in a few weeks time, as you say, when, when the baby kind of, when he starts to kind of eat even more and sleep even more it'll all feel like um you're in a rhythm and a routine and uh, it's a huge congratulations to you all and you know it's um it's a great thing to experience at this age as well I think you know we wrestled with this in our early 40s like kind of you know was Mm. it too late to have another baby um because Denise Lewis was on the last series and she had her fourth child at 46 um yeah and she's in incredible shape and she looks incredible you know and she doesn't she she's kind of just absolutely fly flying through the whole kind of thing and loving it um I felt I just I don't know I felt I couldn't I couldn't go back it was such a big gap you know as a woman mm. it felt like such a big gap it's, it is it is a big gap but my situation is very different obviously Kate came mm. in and she really sacrificed and everything in her life for us mm. so I wasn't about to sit there and say actually I'm, no. I don't think you should have any kids do you know what I mean so yeah. it would have been I, I knew from the get-go as soon as I met her um, and then we started forming a relationship and she was integrated into the family that a baby was going to be inevitable. The baby was coming at some point. It's just a matter of when. Um, and luckily we've, we've been able to have no problems and the baby's here. How is it affecting your... Because one of the big things that you have kind of carried on from being a footballer is an incredible fitness regime. And yeah. you are really into your working out, looking after yourself, uh, retaining your, um, your your muscles and your strength. In fact, probably, <laughs> you're probably bigger, aren't you? Muscular-wise. Yeah. I'm, probably... I'm about 12 kilos heavier than when I played. Really? Yeah, because I was like, I was really thin when I look back at pictures. You were quite skinny think, in the beginning, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, when I look back, I think, wow, how did I play football? I was so skinny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was just like, and the rugby players, like, it's mad. Will Carlin, I, I, I used to speak to him quite a lot, and he used to call, call me spaghetti arms. And I used to think <laughs> I was quite big. <laughs> but to the rugby players, I was so skinny. You're more like and, a rugby player now, I think. Yeah, you're like, yeah. You're like a I wouldn't be able to, yeah, I wouldn't be able to play football now. Not, no. not a chance, but I'll be, I'll be I'll physically ready to play with like Adama like Traore he's, he's, he's probably the only one that matches you for guns I think isn't he yeah he's, he's I, w- I watched him live the other day I was lucky to go to a game because obviously we do stuff with BT Sports so I was at a game Wolves against West Brom and he was right in front of us playing right wing and yeah. I was thinking how is that physique playing football it should, it's just not it's not to be able to move and shift that quick with the ball and to have stamina for long periods of time it's just it defies logic really but yeah he's like He's like some a separate. He's not footballer, really. No, he's Back very he's unusual. He's very unusual. Yeah. So, how how important mentally is keeping fit to you, as much as the physical side of things? It's it's everything for me, to be honest. With you. Like 
I, I made a conscious effort when, once I retired. I ran, listen, I, I'll tell you a story. I, I ran for a train at Houston about seven or eight, nine months after I retired. I hadn't done nothing in the gym. I just thought I retired. I'm going to chill out. I ran for a train at Houston and I swear to you, I'm so, I was so lucky that there was no one on the train because I was in a heap. I was on the train sweating. I was looking around thinking, if anyone could see me now, they'd be thinking, wow, who is this like out of sorts guy? I was in a bad way. I only ran about four or 500 yards. I couldn't breathe. I was so embarrassed. That was your moment. That was my moment. I looked at myself. I looked in the mirror reflection of the window on, on the, the train and just Sweaty thought, what, what's, what's happened to you? Sweating, everything, right? So from then I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go in the gym and, and just... But I have to set myself targets. Like I want to, I want to put on some muscle mass, or I, I, that's the type of mentality that I was at. There's, there's got to be a purpose behind the training that I'm doing for that four or five month period or whatever. So I do that, and the biggest part of it, I've got to be honest with you, for, especially me and Kate, and we talk about this a lot, is that I don't want to have to keep telling my kids to go in the gym or to mm. live a healthy lifestyle. I want them to see it. And and I remember vividly when I was a kid, I used to hear my dad, I used to hear like heavy breathing in the front room in the flat we used to live in in London. And I'd walk out and my dad was doing press-ups, sit-ups, doing a circuit. Mm. Like, so I always, and my dad, then also my dad would get home from work, he'd go out on his bike and say, Rio, you're going to run and you're going to chase me the whole way. Really? On the bike, and I used to sometimes cry, I think running, crying, thinking, "What was is that he trying for to you do to or me? for him?" Do you think <clears throat> that was for both of us? I think my dad's a fitness guy; he likes fitness. My dad's like used to do kung fu and stuff like that. Your dad looks training. incredible. Yeah, my dad is in better shape than me. He's unbelievable, <laughs> and he's like in his sixties. It's ridiculous. So hopefully the genes follow through. But well, I think they, there's a there's a big link. There's a big link, and and he's not only uh, is he in great shape for him, but he's doing exactly what you're doing for your kids. You know, he's yeah. he was that example, and it's much better if you see it, then you know you can be it. And it's all of that, isn't it? That he's yeah, and the, and the kids. I don't think kids enjoy being told all the time. Like no. when they're, they're forever being told at school. They're being told when they get home to sort their school bag out, sort your sort your room out, sort this out. So sometimes. I think there's just little areas where I think you can have big, bigger impact by just doing rather than saying. And I think a healthy lifestyle is definitely one. I think lockdown is a great example because the, the first lockdown we went into, one of my sons, he uh, broke his arm three times within one year. So he couldn't do no activity. And he got a bit out of shape in terms of his breathing. He couldn't run it. He wasn't mm. running, obviously, as much. So he lost, lost a bit of fitness. And he, I remember he just said to me, Dad... What, what should I eat if I want to get fit and be able to run and stuff? I told him, um, nothing crazy. Just, no. just don't, don't eat as much carbs, yeah. maybe. Try and eat more protein. Stop and, eating and sweets. Stop <laughs> your sweets and chocolates and that. Snacking. And then all of a sudden I started seeing him leaving a little bit of rice because I used to put a lot of rice and pasta. He's leaving mm-hmm. a little bit, eating all of the meat, all of the fish, etc. Not snacking as much, going out on his own to run. By the end of lockdown, everyone who saw him when lockdown opened up a little bit were going, wow. Hey, what, what's happened there? What? You're a different person. Look at it. And like, has, he, it has he retained all of those now? Has he kept... 100%. Yeah. Like he's, he's going out running doing 3K today. Brilliant. So like he, just, he just loves it. So it's a great example of he's seen us, me and mm. Kate, going in all the time. He mm. understands that this is what I need to do. Yeah. And so what kind of... I mean, that's one example of the kind of parent you are. Um, has the way you parent changed over the last 10 years or so? I think since uh, the what happened to us... Um, with the kids losing their mum and then losing their nan, I definitely had to kind of reevaluate the way I was because, especially before Kate came and then even when Kate's come in, it's like I've become definitely more loving. 
um, more open, definitely talking wise. And I mean, and I've enc- tried to encourage them, and we've tried to encourage them to talk more and have when really. When you say big more friend. loving, do you, did you before? Were you was it was it a fear of kind of getting too close to them, or how did you? Were you not very demonstrative? Did you not hug them much? I did, but it's more thinking about it and showing more love I know you show a lot of love in different ways it just Mm -hmm. comes naturally like I was very always messing around with them and play play Mm -hmm. fighting and doing crazy stuff laying in their beds before they go to bed and stuff like that I've done all that but it's more talking about stuff and telling them you love them more do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of loving but I didn't tell them Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and and, Mm -hmm. and Kate's been a big probably influence in that area as well and she's a she's a really good communicator she talks really well Mm. And so that was an area probably where I was lacking. And to have more conversations about how they're feeling and their emotions about what they, their loss and, and how they're progressing, etc. in life, around the breakfast table, lunch table and dinner table, has been a massive, massive shift. Are they um, good at that? Are they good at yeah, telling really you? Yeah, really good. Yeah. And, and, I, and I get feedback from um, the football clubs they play for and the places, the, the horse riding, etc. where Tia goes, of one thing that is always quite prominent is they, they talk well, don't they? They, 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 very, they communicate really well. They're not shy. And, they express and their emotions. They express themselves. And, and we've, we've tried to help with that. And they've had counselling and stuff as well because of the situation. And they've really benefited in that sense. And so are you, um, you're a loving parent. You, you, you're good at talking to them. Are you strict? Yeah. Um, I think Kate's are probably a little bit stricter. Is she? Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, listen, if if they do stuff that I'm not happy with, then they're, they're getting told in no uncertain terms. I don't agree with this soft love and don't tell them no too much and all this stuff. If it's no means no and like you can, yes, that means you can. So I think you need boundaries and I think mm. that's one of the things in our house. Listen, we all I think need all boundaries, kids, don't we? Yeah, 100%. But I think all kids forget and make mistakes and stuff mm. like that. But And you've got to allow for that a little bit. But you can't, that, that repeating mistakes all the time becomes a piss take sorry (laughs) so that's that's the way I see it so don't keep making the same mistakes or just forgetting the same things all the time which they always do with their school bags and still at the door why is your shoe still at the door someone's gonna walk in and trip over that that every every other day that happens but yeah you just you feel like a a broken record and you know what the thing you've got to do and this is not I have to say this is not something that I kind of picked up on very early on in parenting it's actually when they do remember, you've really got to point out that they've done yeah, it and yeah. say, oh, well done, you put your shoes in the boot room or yeah. whatever it is. Because yeah. then they kind of get that affirmation, don't they? Because um, they laugh as well. They laugh and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. Just to say, like, okay, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, so, it's not yeah, that it is. But that's a, big, a really big point. I think encouragement, once they do things well, a pat mm. on the back is so probably underplayed and undervalued for mm. a lot of people. People forget about that bit. Yeah, it is. It is easy. As I say, it's easy to forget to to actually put. And I say this a lot to Kenny, you know, because he's really strict with stuff. With Ruben in particular, he gets on at him, and I was like, "You've got to be positive when he does something good, because mm. you know, otherwise, all yeah. he's hearing is negative stuff all the time." Do you think that's because of his? I know you're professional as well, but like just from Kenny, do you think that's because of his professional background in that? He's always demanding. Yeah, absolutely. Because like that's, that's the environment. And that I wasn't. I, I wasn't know. a professional sports person. I, you know, gymnastics was amateur, and it was it was his living, and he demanded. I was being polite. Sorry. Yeah, I know you were, but, and I, <laughs> I, but I just thought I'd let you off by no, but you didn't make a mistake. Um, you were correct. Um, no, he he absolutely had you know the highest of standards and had that whole thing that you did where you you expect a lot from everybody around you because you're mm. giving up a lot and you want everybody around you and and in parenting sometimes you've just got to 
pull back a bit from that, haven't you? And mm. as you said earlier on, they will come to their own motivation and their own mm. decision, you know. And and it is, you know, it's a journey for them, isn't it, to find that because you can't you can't push them into something they don't want to do. No, and, and I always try to have like I don't what I've consciously tried to have with my kids is very simple and consistent messaging like everything that they do I, I demand hard work I just want hard work if there's not hard work involved a, a work ethic then I don't think you get the respect you, you're looking for you're searching for mm. or the the well done you're looking for if you're not mm. working hard and I always say it to them it doesn't matter if you're playing your sports or whether you're doing your schoolwork or whether you're, you're doing a dishwasher you've got to have a standard that you set and you've got to stay at that standard set a high standard and just maintain it and that's one of the consistent things that I always try and say, whether they become footballers, the boys, or whatever job they go into, please have a work ethic and get out of bed and want to do it, mm. but also have a standard that you set yourself. And so, fingers crossed that, that then that consistent messaging goes home at some point, and then when they're 25 and 26, and they look back and we're having a drink and a laugh, <laughs> and they go, you know what, it's true, it didn't work. I, well, it's funny you say when we're having a drink and a laugh at 25, because the other thing as well with boys... Um, and I had to make this point to Kenny kind of quite early on. He's not your mate yet. You know, you've got mm. to, he will be. But if you go too early on that whole kind of he's my mate, do you know what I mean? Like mm. when he's when he's nine and ten, uh, you yeah. know, yes, you can have a good time together. But it's a difference, isn't there, between kind yeah, of having that. a fine a line. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that's where line. I think they do take the mickey a little bit if you if you go too early on that kind yeah. of like. Um, so so parenting is hugely important, obviously, to you because you've got a baby, you've got um, the, the three older kids, you've got uh, your family that's kind of, you know, come together beautifully and had to go through lots of different um, trials and tribulations. Would you say, because giving up a career or ending a career as a top sports person, right, is is tough. You've achieved everything you wanted to achieve, um, apart from maybe winning a Football World Cup. You know, you've won European trophies, you've won countless Premier Leagues and you've won individual accords, uh, acclaims as well. Would you say that the challenge of parenting has kind of been a great distraction in that respect? Because... You know, it's it's like you you're not going to get a medal for it, are you? But it's a mm. wonderful challenge. Yeah, it's a, it's such a different challenge. You know what I mean? It's su- something that is like it's rewarding and it without getting the trophy. Do you know what I mean? You you see it in the way that your children flourish, hopefully in different areas of their life. Um, the fact that someone when they stayed somewhere or they've gone somewhere that that person one of the first things they say to you is, you know what? They've been so polite more than anything. They've please and thank yous all the time. They're the type of rewards that I, I love to hear and wait. It's, it's better than getting a trophy almost. So um, it's different, but it is, yeah, like, like you say, it's a distraction and it's a, it's a good distraction to have. Because I think a lot of sports people don't finish their careers feeling satisfied, do they? They have mm. regrets or they feel that they should have done more. I, I sense with you that that's not the way you feel about your career. You feel satisfied, no? No. Um, <laughs> if you ask me what I think about more, when you like, you have that moment when you sit back and go, you know, oh, what a career, man! What a re- brilliant career! What, let me look back on what I've done. I probably spent I've spent more time in retirement thinking about what we lost and didn't win than what we won, which is so weird, but it, I can't help it. And you could be sitting having the best day on a beach somewhere in an idyllic place, and then all of a sudden, it just something shoots into your mind like oh, the FA Cup final. Drogba, like it's just <laughs> mad and just ru- ruins your next 10, 15 minutes because you're sitting there and you need to just snap yourself out of it. But it's just, I just think that 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 competitive energy is just something that's always bubbling under somewhere. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's difficult. As much as I did win and it was successful in my fo- football career, 
there is like even for instance with England, it was disappointing with England in the end. We had a great everyone called us the the golden generation of players with Becks and Michael Owen, Skulls, etc. But we didn't win, so it leaves you that a little bit of taste of bitterness, not bitterness, but like dissatisfaction. Disappointment. Yeah. So who who did have a perfect career then, Rio? You know, I mean that that's... Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi. <laughs> They're the only ones on the planet that had the perfect. Messi career. hasn't won the World Cup. And well, neither as Ronaldo, but um, they, you know they haven't won World Cups either. Yeah, but they and they have dominated football for over a decade between them. So they're they're the two. It, I mean, it, it, oh it, Pele and Pele Maradona. Well, we're going, so we're going we're going back yeah. now. So four <laughs> people have had a good career. Yeah, they, they've had, they've had flawless careers. It makes it. It makes you wonder why anybody starts out on that journey at the beginning, doesn't it? I know. It's, I know. <laughs> it is. A, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say that because Piers Morgan kicked off this series, and Ronaldo is his absolute hero because mm. he, you know his work ethic and he's he's continuing, isn't he, to push himself physically mm. in in desire. late his, Yeah, his desire is still there in his late thirties. Mm. Something sacrificed though with that, isn't it? You know that level of of personal yeah. kind of you know, your family is a sacrifice. That's what I would say is, is, is um, all of the elite sportsmen that I know or I hear about is their families play second fiddle to their career without a shadow of a doubt. And I don't think you can do it any other way. I feel that I didn't go to countless family functions or events or I missed birthdays. I missed so many different things. I missed one of the births of my kids. Like you just miss so much stuff because of your dedication and obsession with the sport that you're in love with and that you've chosen. So I, I think that a lot of the, the, the sportsmen and women, that they, they do sacrifice and it is, a, it is a huge decision that you make. You don't realise that when you're making, starting out on the journey either that that's the type of sacrifices you're going to have to make and you have to mm. put your family to one side a lot of the time. And you have to have a certain type of family that, that can deal with that and understand mm. that. So... There's so many things that have got to mesh together to enable you to really push on and be successful in that field that you've chosen. Um, and family's one of them that just has to understand that. Do you, um, the child that you missed the birth of, do they know? Have you told them? Yeah, Tia. So she, Tia. She, she didn't take it personally. He was all laughing around the table and stuff. And it's like, we were playing Man City in, I think it was in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, or was it the Charity Shield? It might have been, uh, I can't remember. Well, when's her birthday? Uh, April, so it would have been semi-final. So it would have been semi-final, yeah. yeah. So um, that night, we thought, yeah, it's going to happen. And then I said, well, yeah, I'm going to go for the game. It will happen tomorrow, but I'll come back yeah. after the game and it will be probably around that time. About, I think it was about 10, 11 o'clock, phone call, make my way back up there to Manchester from London. She's obviously delivered before I got there uh, and then stayed there for an hour or so, come back down for the game. So oh it's gosh. just like crazy, but it's just, but the life of an elite sportsman it, it is, that is it in a nutshell. You, yeah. you, you have to accept missing certain milestones or certain big things in families because of the nature of what you're involved in. My, um, uh, I was born at home and my dad was there for about 10 minutes and he said, I've got to go because he was catching a plane to Hungary. It was a European um, champions, what was his champions league then, you know, European cup quarter final and um, he said I've got to go the plane's going to leave 
and the doctor who was delivering me was the Leeds United doctor. And the doctor turned around and went, wow. I'm on the same plane, stay where you are. Because wow. <laughs> basically the doctor was going to be on the plane anyway. So he was just like... Your doctor was just trying to get out for that extra hour. Of course hour. he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get out. <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to be there. So um, yeah, uh, so Tia can, you know, rest assured, she's not the only one. <laughs> yeah, <he knows>. cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this this podcast, we've, we've talked more about parenting than anything else, but I think that's actually because right now in your life, I'd say that's one of the dominant things. You're a brilliant pundit. You've taken to broadcasting fantastically. But it, for me, it, everything that's important to you is at home, actually. And football's yeah. great and interesting and your job's lovely. No, no, um, I, it's, it's really changed full circle. We talk, I was talking there about being a sportsman and you, your family sacrificed because of the, the, the job that you're involved in. Whereas this, this way is a little bit different. It's reversed a little bit. For my family, mm-hmm. it's my centre point of everything. And work comes off at the back of that. So, and any any job that I take or any partnerships or relationships in work that I start to build and form, I think they're very very much made aware at the beginning that them dynamics now. So, because that's just where my life's at right now. Yeah, you're you're obviously you've got business interests as well as your punditry, mm. and um, you made a, you were involved in a documentary with your brother about about essentially about racism in, mm. in football, wasn't it? And yeah. um, and obviously you come from the same area that, and you were a kid when Damanella Taylor was was killed, weren't you? Mm. And so yeah. you've talked a lot about that. Is campaigning something that you either want to keep doing or do more of, or um, you know, I'm sure you get asked a lot to be involved in causes and campaigns. Yeah, that's something that I've always kind of, it's been something close to my heart in, because you get to a position where we're fortunate to get to where we have leverage and you can actually bring corporations together, masses of people to highlight a situation, to, to, to get to understand it, situations like mental health, for instance, not a lot of people are talking about it from a man's perspective, especially, mm-hmm. just to be able to shine a light on certain issues is us something that I feel that I have a responsibility to do in a position that I'm, I found myself in. So, and a, and a lot of that community aspect and mindset comes from probably my mum. My mum was very community-led and driven mm-hmm. uh, in the area that we grew up. So it's something I was always, I think, going to go into. So, but it's, I enjoy it and I, and I like it. And I, and I think that it's, that's why I like making documentaries as well, because it highlights situations. It's very, very raw. You can get to a point and really dig down into a point and to make people understand in layman terms um, where you're at, how you feel mm-hmm. about a situation, but just giving them some information to, to hopefully learn from. And I think the racism element is, and discrimination, etc., is an area I'll probably do a bit more in. I've got a couple of things in the pipeline that I can't speak about now, but there are different, definitely areas. I think there's, there's a lot of new trends and new things that have come out of the covid area but also in the last probably 10 years that probably weren't discussion points 10 years Mm -hmm. ago that Mm -hmm. i think can be touched on from a sport especially standpoint good well good luck with those because i think your credibility is is very strong isn't it and very high and people do enjoy the documentaries that you've taken part in so far have been very well made as well so whoever you're Thank working you. with on those have been great as the bafta behind you uh, shows now rio um <laughs> <laughs> we have to come clean okay yeah he's, he's okay. highlighting his bafta there's another award next to it i should ask you what that is with the star on is that a footballing award oh that's a yeah that's a football that's a play for change award for the tv sports award Oh, another another TV award. Yeah. Um, I like it how all the TV awards are there and there's no football medals. That's <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, you, we did this a few weeks ago. Let's be honest, right? And, I was waiting um, for when you was going to say this. Actually, I was going to play this down. 
No, I, I have to. I like being honest about these things because um, we kind of cocked up on the technicals and it didn't sound as good as I wanted it to sound because one of us sounded very loud and the other was quiet and it just wasn't great. And I said to you, and you very kindly gave me time to do this again. So thank you so much. And that shows what a great guy you are. What we, do, what we did on the day uh, was we were joined by um, Dr. Pixie McKenna because we talked about your dad being fit and we've talked about kind of a little bit about the ageing process. Um, but what we haven't really got into today is kind of the physical changes that will happen to you in midlife right and um and for women obviously lots of kind of hormonal changes happen but for men they happen too and obviously there's things like hair loss and libido and erectile dysfunction all these kind of things right so we had this chat so we're going to hear this again and i'll and i'll speak to you in a minute okay look i want to introduce dr pixie mckenna into our conversation who is there? Hello, Dr. Pixie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I've seen you before. Where have I seen you before? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> She's on the telly. She's on the telly. Yeah, on the TV, yeah. Normally seen looking at people's rear ends. I hope it's not that type of show. <laughs> yeah, I thought if I told you that before, Rio, you wouldn't have turned up. <laughs> no, we, I, we talk a lot about, um, and there's a lot more noise about women's symptoms of midlife and the physical symptoms. But I, I realised through, the, I did the last series, Rio, and we really didn't talk, even to my male guests, about kind of the physical manifestation of change. Like Rio's just talked about Pixie um, creaking in the middle of the night when he gets up to go to the toilet and stuff like that. Um, men's hormonal drop-off is much slower isn't it yeah so they don't jump off a cliff unfortunately uh, for us they don't that's why they don't understand us when we jump off a cliff with our hormones so they reduce testosterone probably one to two percent every year between sort of the age of 30 to 40 onwards so it's a really slow burner but it does have quite dramatic effects so some men can become really anxious they can get depressed they sort of feel like they've lost their mojo in terms of their ability to you know, carry out tasks or even remember things. And they get some similar things to women. So they can get night sweats, they can get loss of libido, and they can get issues with their hair, they can carry weight in places they don't want it so they can gain it on their chest. So they get the man boobs and the, the tummy fat as well. So it's, and, and, you know, it's not something that's talked about a lot. I think in the US, men uh, understand more that there are things that can be done if your testosterone um, is very low and is, is by definition low after having a series of blood tests. Um, but in the UK, they're less keen at coming forward. I mean, I can I, I, I don't see people very frequently coming in saying they think they have a problem with their testosterone. That's for sure. So I, the things that I read about men as well as women need to lift, you know, um, and to use weights because that's good for osteoporosis, but also that will help testosterone. Is that, is that, is that a myth or is that correct? Well, I mean, it's not going to help your testosterone if your testosterone is declining, but what it will do is it will help your, your bone or your, um, your, both your bone mass, but predominantly your muscle mass. So a lot of uh, women and men will start to get sacropenia which is the loss of muscle mass as they get older. Some of it is a function of age. Some of it is a function of decline in testosterone. Some of it is a function of, of lifestyle. Uh, if you've got a bad lifestyle, then you're much more likely to lose the muscle mass, poor nutrition, et cetera. Um, so really, if you've got a normally healthy lifestyle, your training, et cetera, and you are low on testosterone, 
The only real way of bringing that back up, if you feel you need to, is consider talking to someone about testing your levels and, and is there a merit to supplementing it through some pharmaceutical means. Well, women do. I mean, you have a testosterone gel, but women uh, use yes. it as well. So men yes. can use that as well. Rio is from a, a family of uh, a lot of very healthy and kind of well sportsmen, you know, um, and your dad looks like he's in good shape. So what, he, what my are, dad's actually clocked the game. He's out of order. He's, his physicality like, is, he doesn't go to the gym much, uh, if any time, and he's in unbelievable shape. It's a joke. So that's good for you, presumably, though. Amazing. It, it's not yeah. when people think he's your brother, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is, that's, that's amazing for you, because if you're doing all that work and your dad is like that without working out, I would say Rio can probably look forward to a very, uh, he's crossing his fingers. <laughs> Other men will be listening to this who don't have a dad like Rio's who looks like their brother. So how much should men look to this, the men in their family as a kind of warning sign? Massively, massively. I mean, I always say to patients, the one thing you can't change is either your family history. So if you're looking at someone in your family and you're thinking, you know, everything went wrong for them over the age of 40, etc. Be mindful of that and find out. Do a fact finding mission. Was it a cardiac problem? What, what was it? Um, and then make sure that you're a match fit for when you hit that age group, because it's really, really important. You know, you may be the healthiest person on the block. Um, but equally, if there is something within the family tree, then that you, you need to know. Also, if you've got a very fit dad like Rio has, that doesn't mean you can let yourself go to pot under the assumption that, you know, you've got like a little bit of a, a, a way out of not looking after yourself. So it's, it's just being mindful of, what, of the family tree and, and knowing the family history for sure. The more I'm kind of in reading about this area, though, genetics do seem to play quite an interesting part in that actually in terms of patterns for both men and women looking to your you know the way your mother kind of went through the menopause looking to the way the father's age but one of the things that um you're not worrying about this at the moment Ria, because you've got a fine head of hair uh, another myth I'd like to talk about with men is that you should look to the mother's father the boy looks to the mother's father is that right oh I don't know I mean we I think certainly in in families of of people that I would see who's who have hair loss it's usually the father's oh, right. okay. dad in the family tends okay. to be the one maybe people are just being cruel to my kids because my dad's lost his hair and they're just trying to wind well they can, you can do things about that now so it's not like it was 20 years or 25 yeah. years ago. I mean so many sportsmen have done that Rio haven't they like they had the hair the old hair plugging and and they're also what I love is they're so open about it yeah I think it's become like you know what I'm gonna do it I don't care like I think loads of people do. I dye my beard sometimes. I get grey hairs here. If I dye it, it just looks better. I think it's not, I'm not ashamed of wearing grey hair. I don't care. But it looks better if it's, a, if it's all one colour. At what, at what stage do you think you'll let your beard go or your hair if you start to go If grey? it all went grey, the whole beard was grey, I'd let it just grow. But it's just like, about, it's that patchwork. What about the hair on the head? Um, I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I don't get nothing done to it yet. <laughs> I'd like it. That distinguished look, if it was all grey, I wouldn't care. But it's the patchwork business that make you like a Dalmatian. Like, I don't like so it. So Rio's in good, Nick. I think if we were giving him an overall little health check here, Pixie, I think he's he's doing the right stuff. I'd say he's 10 out of 10. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can ignore other stuff as well, though. Because what no. men tend to ignore are things like their prostate, things like that. All those. So getting regular health checks is really important, isn't it? Is that, is that not the thing? Is that you can look as well as you want, but sometimes you just don't know what's going on beneath the skin. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that's absolutely true. And, and you know, with age comes risk. So every decade you go on, I mean, basically, once you hit 50, you don't get away with anything. Any kind of symptom you have, 
you inevitably end up at the doctor and the doctor will inevitably send you for a test because the risk factors are so much greater. But I think one thing for men, particularly in that sort of late 40s into 50s age group is erectile dysfunction. They won't go to the doctor with it. And actually, it can be the first sign of cardiovascular disease. So it's a really important one to, to not shy away from getting a check. So don't, uh, don't handle it yourself, so to speak. Um, no, and, no. <laughs> go, go, and, go and see the doctor. Um, and, and also, I think the whole kind of shame about, you know, so they don't want to go see the doctor. We've got to kind of get rid of that, haven't we? We've got to just... Do you know what? I think it comes down to, again, it's like, I'm so lucky that... Um, You're going to start talking about your erectile function. No, no, no. But I'm talking about being embarrassed to go to a doctor and talk to think about things. I had a doctor at the club. I talked to him about anything, absolutely anything. I felt no way, no shyness at all. And the different differences is that he's in the change room. He sees us in the showers. He sees everything. So like, it takes away that kind of where you you just think there's there's a barrier. So I, I was lucky with that. But then obviously you come out of football, you've got to now sign up to your local doctor surgery. And it's like, actually, this is different. This is new again, and you've got to start again. Have you found a good doctor? Have you got a good relationship with your doctor? Yeah, I've not seen him much or her. So it's like, I don't even know what it looked like, really, because I, I, I've taken the children more than for myself. Well, obviously, in the next 10 years or so, it might, it might become a place you want to familiarise yourself with. Well, well, after this conversation, I'll be going there next week by the looks of things. <laughs> Guess we'll check out. Uh, Dr Pixie, uh, as always, a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for joining Have us. Have a lovely day. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So there we are, Rio. Uh, there's there's lots coming down the track for you. We've got the the grey hair. We've got physical changes happening. Did you know any of this stuff was going to happen to you? I've came into this interview on a quite a high, and I'm leaving now as low as a snake's belly. I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm on a, an absolute downward spiral now. So um, no, listen. I think this uh, th- these are things that are just inevitable, and I I don't fear old age. That's one thing I don't do. I I, I don't look that far ahead either, and. I try to just enjoy my life now and just try and put things in place and set a foundation that hopefully gives me longevity, which is like a healthy lifestyle, etc. And I'm I'm not listen, I'm not crazy about I'm not I'm not weighing every single gram of food that I eat and, and counting the calories, etc. I'm not that type of person because if you watch my social media, I love a beer, I love a Guinness, I love a wine, I love a, a kebab or Indian or Chinese on a Friday night. So it's about balance. It's having isn't balance, it? yeah. So I, I eat well most of the time, but I do love my little treats here and there, which is great. But at the end of the day, listen, old age is going to get all of us, and you just got to embrace it. The, your father obviously is in great physical shape. Mm. So that must be, we, we talked about that, that must be lovely to know that, you know, you've got him as your aging model yeah. as well. It's, it's one reason to sit, invite him round as well and just say, I just want to look at what I might look like in the future, hopefully. So <laughs> it does give me a little pat on the back every now and again. So yeah, that's what I'm looking to get to when I'm 68. So. I'm growing, I'm growing into that fine man hopefully, there, hopefully. which is lovely. That's lovely. And, and what about you as a person? Do you think, as we sit here now, are you a better person than the person kind of of his late 20s early 30s do you feel that your life lessons have made you yeah a better person? 100 percent. i think if i if i couldn't have become a better person after all those years from like my 20s to, to now my 40s then I, i've done something wrong I mean, it's definitely like messed up in life um i've had a really good career um i've got a fantastic family yeah there's been bumps in the road but i think for every bump in the road you there, there's something to be learned out of and i've i've I'm living proof of that, definitely. There's been some big bumps in the road and I've come out the other end and as I say, I can sit here and say that I'm as happy as I've ever been in my life right now. Um, So 
it is possible to have loads of trials and tribulations in your life, but you've, it, sometimes you've got to look for that bright light or the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't just wallow and just sit and just think, actually, that I'm going to have to wait for things to be brought to me and, or, or to help me out of situations. Go and search and find for help and ask for help and don't be ashamed or embarrassed by that. And there's certain things that have led me to a position where I feel that I'm a better person, 100%. And, and I know myself a lot better now because my life slowed down a lot as well. And I was obviously from 16 years old, I had a very fast lifestyle, football, um, loads of, every door was open to me. Um, at that time and, and for the early 20s especially and your life is like a bit of a it just whizzes by whereas it's kind of slowed down now and I'm enjoying it and you're seeing it and you're being able to kind of enjoy moments more than just like have flyby moments which is great it's fantastic and um, I, we met for the first time when I think you were about 17 <laughs> or 18 um, I, I was interviewing you on a, a show I did on ITV I was only young myself mm. I, you know, I wasn't I was I was only in my early 20s and um yeah, I could apologise about that show because I think we let you say one word at the end of the show. We, we forgot uh, how, how the timings of the show kind of ran away and we didn't chat to you. You sat on the sofa just smiling. Yeah, I, just, I, did, I thought, what have I done here? What's going on? Is this what punditry or is this what it's about? And at the end of the show, I said, oh, West Ham going to win this weekend? And you went, yeah, and that was it. And we went, bye. I think we took you out to lunch to apologise yeah, afterwards. But um, <laughs> um, you have come a long way, um, you know, since that, that moment. You were already a talent then and you've had a great career. It's been lovely to chat to you and see kind of your contentment now mm. and where you are. If there was one thing, if somebody listening to this right now, one piece of advice, right, or one tip, it could be anything. It could be an exercise. It could be a food or a supplement that you like, anything at all that you would like people listening to take away what would it be wow it's a big question isn't it? rio's rio's gems rio's nuggets um what is the what okay what's the one thing every day that you do that you think makes a difference to your life that anything i put my hand to i have a, a standard that i want to get to and maintain but behind that i think is a work ethic and i think everybody should have that and i think that that's a sense of pride and if you do foul it's like i said to my kids if you do foul but you've worked hard your hardest at it you can look in the mirror and say, actually, okay, I just maybe wasn't good enough. It was the wrong time, but I've actually given it my all. And I think that's the way I think you try to live life. Give it your all. 100%. And you've, you've given it your all twice for me, Rio, because of technical <laughs> issues. Exactly. You owe me, <laughs> man. You, you and Kenny owe me massive. I do. We are, we're going to take you out for a lovely... When you, you, you guys can take your, um, your dressing gowns and your pyjamas off because your baby lets you yeah. and you can get, get out the door. <laughs> have, a, have a wonderful rest of your week and thank you so, so All much, right. Rio. Thanks, I Gabby. really appreciate it. Good to speak it. to you. Take, take care. care. Good luck. And you too. Bye. Thank you, Rio. I really enjoyed chatting to Rio. I think most of us, when we get married, we expect to be with that person into our old age. That's the hope, isn't it? And losing your partner in your 30s isn't the normal order of things. How Rio and his young family coped, I think, is really inspiring. And then Kate coming into their lives, and now baby Cree, shows it is possible to move on and find happiness again. And it feels like they have a really good balance around them. To use an analogy from Rio's former career, I guess they are a solid team and everybody plays their part. I also love his approach to parenting. He seems to be really focused on that and his kids are are very lucky I think to have him around at this point in their lives and he's able to give them more of himself than perhaps he was when he was playing. So thank you to Rio for sharing with us, to Dr Pixie McKenna for her wonderful advice as always, to Solgar of course for sponsoring as well and I know they've got a great range of men's health products. My husband Kenny takes their prostate support tablets Uh, and thank you to you for listening. Have a great day. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.